This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chabacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And Happy New Year! Thank you so much for tuning into this bonus episode of the Newest Olympian. My name is Mike Schuber. I am the titular Newest Olympian. I'm a 31-year-old man who never read the Percy Jackson books as a kid. I read them as an adult because I was on a quest to determine on this podcast if Percy Jackson has been slept on by society. I can definitively now say yes, society has been sleeping on it, but now there's a Disney Plus show about it, and hopefully that show will help the world wake up, and now I'm covering things about that show. What we're going to be doing on this bonus episode is posting a couple of clips from interviews that I did that have to deal with episode three, since episode three just came out a couple of days ago. And then we're going to conclude the episode with a conversation I had with Liam T. Crowley about both of us being able and being fortunate enough to attend the Percy Jackson world premiere at the Met in New York City. It was just ridiculous and wonderful, and that's how we'll close out the episode. But first, let's get into these interviews. The first audio that you are going to hear is from the interview that I did with Dior Goodjohn, who plays Clarice. I posted that interview on Christmas morning, but I couldn't post the entirety of it because this portion of that interview that you'll hear very soon made reference to some things that took place in episode three, and we're not supposed to post anything about episode three until episode three has aired. So when I posted the original interview with Dior, couldn't put that in, but now you can hear her talk about a fun story that mentions some stuff that took place in episode three. And the context of this story is we had just talked about how at the premiere, she was sitting next to Jason Manzoukas to her surprise. Here's that audio clip. And you had some scenes with him on the TV show, right? But had you really interacted before sitting next to him at the premiere? No, this was like our first time truly, truly interacting. The one scene that I did have with him it was around like kind of like the Coliseum type thing where everybody eats lunch at and Percy's picking who he wants to go on the quest with. And Dionysus is like standing in the circle, like side by side with uh, Percy. And that was really the only scene that I had with him. But I remember that day on set, he showed up wearing his N95 in true <laughs> Mansukas like mode, like, okay, I'm here. I'm doing what I need to do. Okay, bye. I'll see you guys later. 
It was, but it was so perfect and like so him and so great. I loved it. It was so cool. That's great. I feel like that's how he did the premiere as well, because yeah. I know he did the red carpet thing. He saw the premiere and then I was not someone that was doing the red carpet. I was just, you know, watching it. And then as a guest and I was like, if I got to talk to him, that'd be cool. I didn't see him anywhere. I'm assuming he left right after. <laughs> Dude, he came, did the do and said, okay, peace. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he missed out on all that free sushi. Come on, Jason. The sushi was so good. Oh, my God. That was one of my questions, but we can get to it now. What was your favorite food from the premiere? Because my answer would have been the sushi. It was incredible. And the Percy drink, the like 7-Up, the blue 7-Up. That was crazy. Mm -hmm. And I'm so mad. I was going to take, you know, that light up ice cube. I'd have. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a talk <laughs> with Lena and Momo. Lena Walker is like, what's it called? Older sister. And I was like, guys. I'm stealing this ice cube. They're not going to reuse this plastic ice cube. Like I have to take no. it. I'm doing it. And I didn't end up, I didn't end up doing it because I didn't have my purse. I'm like, where am I going to put it? Oh, yeah. See, that was the key is Kelly. My wife was there with me. She had a purse. First thing she got a drink specifically ice asked cube. for the ice cube mm -hmm. straight, straight, straight into, into the, the purse. Bag. Yep. I would imagine you would have some pull. I think you might be able to pull some <laughs> strings and get an ice cube. <laughs> ice cube? Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Season two. At the season two premiere, you know, when they run it back, met round two and they have new ice cubes. We'll make sure we get you a, a purse so you can steal an ice cube. <laughs> this next clip comes from the roundtable that me and some other podcasters did with Rick and Becky Riordan. This was a situation where we submitted questions and a moderator asked them. So one of the questions that I submitted that the moderator asked to Rick and Becky was about the consensus song, which we first hear in episode three, which I just absolutely adored. My question was specifically about how this to me took place of Grover playing So Yesterday on the reed pipes. So that was the question that I submitted. The moderator truncated it a bit, understandably, because I wrote it in a very wordy manner. But here is that question and Rick and Becky's response. And so in the books, obviously there were some changes from the book to the series. One of them our, our, our media pointed out was, um, you know, Grover and his reed pipe performing So Yesterday and how that becomes consensus. So the question is, what inspired that change and who wrote those lyrics? Uh, that the 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 so the that was the uh, compromise song, mm -hmm. right? the consensus song. Okay. That's <laughs> that, completely John Steinberg. That, that's John. Mm -hmm. John, John Steinberg <laughs> came up with that, and it uh, you know it's it's goofy, and it uh, it's one of those things where Percy's looking at Grover and saying, "Dude, what are you doing?" But that's very very middle school, totally very and correct. and wonderfully um, appropriate for Ariane to play Grover because he's been on stage in New York. Yeah. Um, so to have him be able to do a little singing, I would love to see more of it. Mm. I'm I'm, I'm going to pitch for that in season two. Um, I would love to see him be able to to utilize his voice. Yeah, we can do like Star Trek and make it a musical. Episode. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rick Becky. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. And keeping that theme going, here is a clip from the interview that I did James Bobin, who is the director of the first two episodes, as well as an executive producer. I asked them about the consensus song, and then I also asked James about potential musical number elements showing up in the series. Something that I absolutely loved, it's the consensus song that comes up. And I, I learned from Rick yesterday, John, that you were the the genius behind the lyrics to the song, at least. I like it as a way to kind of get in the books Grover's reed pipe music, but now it's also kind of bringing the team together, but it keeps that goofiness and Percy gets to do the huh. But 
What all went into coming up with Consensus? Were these lyrics completely original? Did you go to a camp where they sang this when you were 12? What's <laughs> the deal with Consensus? How amazing would that be? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he definitely did. I <laughs> know. Uh, uh, um, the song is original. The song was a co-write. Um, oh. It was me and Joe Trace. Okay. Um, part of our writing staff and also was the um, the writer of the Percy Jackson musical. Yes. Oh, um, cool. We, we, Joe's amazing. He's pretty, he's, he's amazing. Um, we put this one together, together. Um, it started as a joke pitch um, in the writing room. Um, like, it would be funny if Grover sang a song about getting along. Yeah. And, um, and as, as is frequently the case, um, it, you know, it started as a joke, but you find yourself thinking about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're smiling that much about it. It, you know, it, it became a scene we used in Costa. That was what's hard about it. Oh, said, whoa. And those ones are all, you know, usually the casting scene, you do try to use challenging ones. That is a really hard casting there, scene. There was one kid. Real, it sort of got out for some of the people out. <laughs> there was a kid with this incredible voice who came in and did it like an R&B song. Ooh. <laughs> he made a big song. Yeah, and it was just like, it was just stunning. Like, it was so important. No problem with his lovely voice. Yeah. <laughs> that was not the point of the song. Was <laughs> <laughs> the performance irrelevant. That was um, not not the reason, but that was that was part of the experience of seeing Ariane for the first time in real life. Very much so. Everyone else can kind of go home now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Like, he got us in this kid. Yeah. He got it. It's a good one to judge people by that for sure. It really did help. And he's got it straight away, which is fantastic. Amazing. James, since you have history in the past doing stuff with musical numbers like Flight of the Concords and the Muppets movie, were you a little bit jealous when you learned that Consensus wasn't going to be in the first two episodes that you were directing? Were you like, oh, I wanted it. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a full-blown musical number. Let me dance, <laughs> dance around the bus. <laughs> Into the toilet. Who knows what they're going to go with that one? It'd be amazing. It'd be a whole scene outside. It'd be amazing. Of course. I was like ending anything with a song. I want at some point to end this whole series with a song. <laughs> like, I think at the end is always really fun. Look, you can pull you could pull a future episode, future season if it works. Do one of the Grey's Anatomy thing where it's oh, like this one's a musical. To a dance, it'd be amazing. So all the magical pictures <laughs> sequence, all of the dance at the end, be amazing, and they're available. <laughs> he took it so seriously in the best way. Like just he wanted to get it right. I remember John. He was like he got on the phone with us and you, and just like sat there and went over it, like exactly wanted to hit the right words, you know, get the tone correct. And I mean, that's what's so amazing about these kids. It's like, even when it just seems like a very simple, oh, let's just have fun with this song. It, it they're, they're such pros that they, they, mm -hmm. they wanted to just nail every nuance um, that, that, that John and Rick that, wanted to pay. That was, that's my answer to the question. The thing I didn't think I'd be doing. <laughs> it was in the middle of, um, in the middle of old band stuff, which is like, couldn't be heavier. And then everyone call and it's like, now will you sing the silly song to Ari so he knows how to sing it? It's a very abrupt tonal shift. That's fun. That's really fun. I apologize that the audio in general from these interviews doesn't sound amazing. It was all Zoom stuff. And this interview in particular had the three of them sitting at a table pretty far away from the computer that was doing the interview so some of it got a little bit garbled by zoom's auto noise reduction software thing which is not the best and i could go on a tirade about it forever 
but I cleaned up the audio as best as I could. The one thing that I think just from editing this that you couldn't really hear was James when he was saying the musical number that he wanted to do. He wanted to get in all the centaurs. And that was the one audio that I think was the hardest to hear. Now, this next clip is going to come from the chat that I had with the VFX folks, Jeff and Eric, and talked a little bit about some of the visual effects that you see in episode three. In episode three, when they're dealing with the Medusa head, the invisibility hat's on, it gets decapitated, and Walker is like holding something. Was that just acting, or was he holding like a green screen covered thing to give it shape? No, he absolutely did that. And I think he did a great wow. job. I think, uh, Jeff, I can't remember if it was you or if... Uh, we did so a little little stabilization every yeah. now and then. Yeah, exactly. Just to help it out. But he was great in yeah. trying to... You know, I mean, it, 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 there's so many things that, that Walker's really uh, great, you know, as I watch these episodes. And I just watched eight yesterday. Um, you know, final blessing it, sending it away and mm -hmm. watch his, his acting skills, but also his physical, we've said it before, his ability to be a great stunt man when he needs to be. And yeah, uh, pulling that up and, and holding it and being consistent. Um, it's just like, uh, the same thing we say about, um, Arian with, uh, always being up on his, on his, uh, toes. Uh, they're, they're a great group of kids and they're, yeah. you know so wonderful to work with that first scene where he like dives past the charging minotaur that was him diving into the mud and it was a mess oh. like, you step on that <laughs> and you're like almost ankle deep in mud and he was right there on the ground it was pretty incredible yeah take take 10 you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> poor costumes though yeah <laughs> yeah i always i always thought it was interesting is we'd have rain during those those scenes from above and uh he didn't want to get out of the rain and into a raincoat. He liked it. He would, you know, <laughs> and such. He loved it. He's a kid. Yeah. And this final interview clip is from the conversation that I had with Dan Henna, the production designer, and Tish Monahan, the costume designer. The costuming and the set work all around the Medusa scene were just so fantastic that I couldn't help but ask them some questions about it. So here are those responses. Another set that I thought was really cool, Dan, was when we get to NTM's Gardenome Emporium in my beloved home state of New Jersey. You get to see, I feel like what's cool about it is I think that the set goes through the emotion of the viewer, whether you're someone who knows the story or not. You go in and it seems like, oh, this place might be okay. And then you go into the basement and you know, this is not okay. This is terrifying. How much of like the emotion behind what you're hoping someone feels goes into the set? It's not just looking pretty. It's about feeling something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's all about the feeling that you, as a viewer, you're going to have, you know, you're going to feel a little weirded out as you approach the house by those statues and things. But maybe it's okay and then you get inside and it's comfortable and homely and there's great food. And so so it's all about uh, the emotions of the viewer. You know, you, you're trying to take them into a place, into the illusion uh, that you're creating and to the point where it's not an illusion. It's like real and life, you know, life is an illusion, and that's where you're taking everybody. Uh, and then going down below into that um, that world, which is sort of an underworld, but not, because we go to a real underworld right. later on. It's just her version of of a storage room, you know, where you can keep a whole lot of bodies. So, 
it, it, and it should be a freaky and spooky, but not to the point where you're actually going to have a heart attack or anything. Just just know that you're somewhere you don't want to be. Yeah, just the right amount of unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> Tish, speaking of Medusa, I really enjoyed the costuming that was done for NTM. In the book, it was just kind of described as like a vaguely Middle Eastern outfit, but this one, it, it feels almost impossible to like put an exact pin on it. Like it's part Southern Belle, it's part Greek. What was, what went into deciding what she was going to look like? Was it an active choice to differ from the book? It was an active choice. The producers had had their heart set on her wearing a hat. They didn't want to do the big reveal with a mm-hmm. turban and they just, and they, and they wanted you to see her as a very sympathetic figure, someone who had been wronged. And I myself just went back looking at those, you know, the Greek statues, you know, and and you and you see all of the the pleading in all of the, you know, the garments that they that they wore. And I just tried to find a way to incorporate that into a more contemporary look, but it ended up being more reminiscent of um a 20 style dress mm-hmm. with the fortuny pleading. And then I had to try and think of, oh, my God, how am I going to marry a hat to this? But <laughs> I think it worked out. And I, and I know that the producers were, like, really thrilled. I think the the, the color of it was was reminiscent. Oh, it's a kind of an ochre ivory color is reminiscent of old world statues and stone and I don't know. I think it I think it was quite quite successful, but very mm-hmm. different. If you need proof of the success, I think at any Comic-Con or anything in the future, that's going to be the number one thing that people are dressing up in. I think it's going to be very okay. popular as a cosplay Good luck item. With them. <laughs> <laughs> Try and find that. <laughs> oh man. Thank you guys so much. This is this is great. And again, congrats. The show looks fantastic. Yeah, it's great to get a bunch of different kinds of questions. It was good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So that's all the audio that I had from the interviews that I conducted that were episode three relevant. The conclusion of this episode will be the chat that I had with Liam Crowley about being at the Met for the Percy Jackson premiere, which was wild and ridiculous and absurd. And I still can't believe that it happened, but I'm so glad that it did. But before we get to that discussion, I'm an independent podcast boy. And the way that I get to continue having this be my full time job, which is incredibly fantastic, and I'm so fortunate to have it. The biggest thing that helps me keep doing that is Patreon. Patreon. And so many folks have supported the show on Patreon over the years. So many people are supporting right now. And I want to thank some of the folks who have joined recently. I didn't thank folks in our last main episode episode. So right now, I want to thank everyone who joined at some of the higher tiers recently. And then in our episode about episode four that's coming out in two days, I'll thank folks who joined at the demigod level and anyone else that joins in between me recording this and me recording the next time. But I want to give a shout out to our newest ultra god tier patrons, Christopher and McKenna Finley. Shout out to our newest super god your patrons, the Hellhound Lady, Petros Zazikolos, Natalie Lauder, Ariel Clemmer, and Rachel Rosenblum. And shout out to our newest God tier patrons, Julianne, Sydney Van, and Nick. Thank you all so much for your support. May Demeter bless you that when you're going through the cereal aisle, your favorite cereal is on sale. If you want to be like these folks and get cool content in exchange for your support, you can go to the slash Patreon. Now, the other main way that I'm able to continue to do this as a full-time job is advertising. So because this bonus episode is basically as long as a standard episode of TNO, we're going to take a brief pause here for some ads. Some of the ads are going to be read by me, such as one from our new sponsor, Thrive Market. So if you want to get some groceries delivered to you directly, 
Daily. Stay tuned and listen to that. But then also there might be some ads that aren't read by me. Those are inserted locally. So if you live in a non-English speaking country, you might hear some non-English speaking ads. But once those ads are complete, we will conclude this episode of The New Olympian with the wonderful chat that I had with the wonderful Liam T. Crowley about the wonderful Percy Jackson premiere we both got to attend. This episode of The New Olympian is brought to you by Thrive Market. Now, in the Percy Jackson books, at the end of The Last Olympian, we have the Olympians trying to turn over a new leaf. They're trying to appreciate their children and be there more and improve the things at camp for them and various other things where they're just trying to be more involved in demigod lives. Now, speaking of turning over a new leaf, it's the new year. New year, new you. What could you do to maybe better yourself in the new year? You could use Thrive Market. Thrive Market can be your go-to for all all grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online quickly shipped to your doorstep can save you a bunch of time. Thrive Market carries brands only with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. And I can say this from experience because I've placed a Thrive order. It is getting shipped to me currently, and I was very impressed by all of the different brands that they had. Lots of organic food, lots of seafood that was wild-caught, and lots of things that are sustainable and plant-based foods. Lots of really great options. You can also utilize different filters, which is really nice. So you can do things such as gluten-free or low-sugar alternatives. I'm trying to only eat wild-caught seafood this year as opposed to farm-raised and all that kind of stuff. And that was something that I was able to easily check on Thrive. And I have some wild-caught seafood on its way to my apartment. I'm so excited for it to arrive. And when you're a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. For example, on my recent order, I saved $20, which is fantastic. And on average, people save 30% with each order. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash TNO for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash TNO, thrivemarket.com slash TNO. Get that gift and turn over a new leaf so you can be like the new Olympians post book five today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Hello, thank you for tuning in to this bonus episode of The New Olympian. I am here with Liam T. Crowley to talk about our premiere experiences. We both spent a lot of time at the premiere together, but also we had different starts to it since you were on the actual blue carpet. And I was told respectfully that I am not allowed to enter the blue carpet when I walked down a hallway, not knowing that that's where all of that was. So 
Let's talk Premiere stuff. Let's start at the beginning, though, because you got there even earlier before I checked in. You're going to get set up. What's it all like to be there and be there as a true member of the press as opposed to me, a pretend member of the press? Uh, my quest to get to the Met was was storied. I, I was working out of the BlackRock building over by Rockefeller Center at around like three o'clock. I was like, all right, it's time to suit up, put on my uh, my my green suits with my blue tie and everything. Uh, and I was wa- I took the train to get to the Met. As it turns out, the train drops you off on the other side of Central Park. So I had to walk all the way through Central Park. Should, I would have given you, uh, I saw I saw you posting about this. I was like, you should have asked me. I would have given him way better advice. I, I, well, next time I'll know. But <laughs> I was walk, walking through the Central uh, Central Park, got calves of steel in the process. Shout out Ari and Samhadri, those yeah. who know, know. And yeah, we check in around like 430 and it was nice to get there so early because everything was relaxed for about a full hour. So I got to like set up my camera equipment, um, see the amazing Percy Jackson logo in the reflection pool, get on the other side, that's the blue carpet, take all my photos. Uh, the B-reel went off at that time too. So I got to have a legitimate B-reel posted from the Percy Jackson carpet, which was sick. Wait, when you say, when you say the B-reel, what do you, what exactly, I, I what does oh, that man. mean? Oh man, oh no, did I just date you, Mike? Maybe. B- oh, B-reel, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was th- I was thinking, my bad. I think I mean like B-reel, like the letter B dash reel, like when there's like extra footage of something as opposed to B-reel, the oh. app. Because look, in I, I know what B-reel is. I have not downloaded it. I just thought like you were, going industry term like i thought uh, you were going like inside baseball uh, <laughs> reporting okay got it i'm glad Real-time you know be real i'm yeah. glad you know what be real is because it's a great app and it's not for young people sure. it's i i just got my be real like wrapped today which is like the year in review and it's very cool to kind of see like your scrapbook of memories that were all taken at random times and not just when you were looking to like share it on social media mm-hmm. anyways uh the carpet was awesome. I got to reconnect with with so many old friends as well. It's funny working in this industry. You see the same people at these kind of events and nowhere else. Like my friend from mm-hmm. Screen Rant, I'm like, I saw you at the Luther premiere in March. And then after that, I saw you at the Asteroid City Junket in June. And I've never seen you in the real world. But that's so funny. <laughs> And yeah, everyone showed up. And also, not to just toot Percy Jackson's horn, but this was easily the best timed and most organized red carpet premiere, blue carpet premiere I've ever been a part of. Because usually how it goes is the behind the scenes people and the the production crew show up first. And then they tell you the cast is going to show up at like 6.30 before the 7 o'clock screening. The cast actually shows up at 6.50. They stop for like one question if you're lucky. And then they they keep moving on. No, they said talent arrives at 6 o'clock. And everyone was there at 6 o'clock. And yes. everyone stopped for questions. Everyone uh, gave me the time of day. I had like five minutes with Virginia Call, who plays Sally Jackson. Walker came by, even though we had already spoken. And he wanted to grace me with his time. Uh, Aryan Samhadri's publicist, after I was breaking down, on my camera equipment was like Aryan wants to speak with you and I was like still yes, we've, we've, we've had go. like eight interviews at this point and that meant the world to me and I just had a lot of great pure interactions and it set the stage for what ended up being my favorite viewing of the two episodes of Percy Jackson and mm-hmm. the Olympians and you know that was only the precursor to the true main event which was the after party the reception uh and that was super super special and i'm glad we got to experience that portion together yeah for sure you are not kidding about the six o'clock thing because from my perspective i got the invite very last minute i got the invite on december 8th 
at like 6 p.m. And I was going to fly to Texas on December 9th at 8 a.m. So I got that, had to call my tour guide because I had a show scheduled for the day of the premiere, had to get that moved, had to call Delta, get my flight changed and everything. But we made it all work. And this thing, the information on the invite was just like, first it was just the PR team saying like, hey, you're going to have an invite send us your email. We'll give you more info. Still not really clear. Then I got the email with like the description of it, but it didn't really give much information. It was like location, the Met. I'm like, yeah, I know, but where do I go? Like, what does that mean? And it just said the time and it, the most information it had was, I guess, just like the Met's boilerplate warnings. There were lots of details about like, don't touch the artwork. Don't bring paint. I'm like, yeah, I understand that. But like, where do I go and what am I doing? <laughs> so they said to get there at six. So we checked in at six. I technically checked in early because there was like a general admission thing, but then also like an influencers thing. And they let in the influencers early, I guess, so they could like put stuff on Instagram stories. But I didn't know I was like, as a podcast, I'm like, am I, am I an influencer? Am I general? I don't know what's going on. So I just like went in up with the influencers. It was also super cold and they were waiting until like six o'clock struck to let general admission in. We were there at like quarter of, and I was like, let's just go inside. <laughs> like It's freezing. So we went up and then, yeah, like the actors just started rolling up. Like when I was in line waiting to get checked in, the actress who plays Nancy Boba Fett came through. I complimented her on her cheese throwing ability. Her mom was there. It was so sweet. She was, I guess her mom was like there during filming because she started talking to me a little bit like, oh, the directors had her throw it so many times. Like I'm just making a joke and her mom's giving me like the inside scoop of how filming went. And then I heard like loud screams when Walker showed up and a couple other people like came in and got rushed through since they had to get to like the actual blue carpet of it. And then, yeah, got checked in and we got to walk around a little bit and then the screening was set to start at seven. So you can walk around the Met like a little bit. You're in the in the main entrance. They have stuff set up and it was clear that they were going to have food. Uh, and then we went down a hallway where actually you go to the, the blue carpet. And if anyone knows the Met, this is like that big room with the big sphinx and the water feature and all that kind of stuff, which I just wanted to see how it was set up. I would have loved if they let me like respectfully look from a distance just to see, but I'm glad there's a bunch of footage from it because it looked super cool and made sense of that's where they're going to set it up. It's iconic. Water feature already looks cool, but for Percy Jackson, like it's a no brainer, no brainer. Yeah, it was very nice. And also too, that there is a little bit of Hollywood smoke and mirrors that goes on with carpets. Like if you, if you zoom out a wide bit, the setup that they actually built is smaller than you would think it is based on what you're seeing on camera. But compared to other premieres I've been at where they really smoke and mirrors it up, we're talking like red carpet backdrop in like what it looks like a warehouse, essentially. This was very different because the surrounding area that wasn't Percy Jackson dolled up is still the freaking Met, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's funny that they did a lot of cool things in the premiere to Percy Jackson it up. They were projecting things and they had set drops and all that. But everything else just made it look that much cooler because it is the Met, which already looks super cool, but then is also incredibly on brand, not only for, you know, Greek architecture elements, but also they go to the Met. So it's like... Of course it looked perfect. It was wild. So then, yeah, the actual premiere takes place where you go into the the theater to watch it. And I didn't realize they had like a full-fledged movie theater in the Met. I didn't realize, like it was a two-floor, there was a mezzanine, huge screen. Were you in the lower portion or the upper portion when you were watching it? I was in the upper. I was in the lower portion, I believe, across from me. Not in the same row as me, but like the, the other middle section, I was in the left section, right. was like James Bobbin and like his family. So that was kind of cool. Oh, nice. That is really cool. Yeah, it was fun to watch it there because at this point, you know, not 
this is like the true viewing experience. Like you're getting it on a big screen with the really high quality surround sound. So it was nice to see it at least in one true form. And I did get to talk to James, the director of the first two episodes after. And he was really excited. He's like, when I'm filming this, you know, I know it's a streaming show, but like I'm imagining it being on the big screen. So he was really happy to see it like that. Oh gosh. I mean, I loved, I loved seeing it like that. It was, it was, it was truly <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've had so many interviews with him at this point. I'm trying to nail my James Bobbin impression and I feel like I'm slowly getting there. Yes, yes. He was a delight. And he was saying, and I agree with him when him and I got to talking for a little bit, he was saying, like, why doesn't Disney just rent out a theater when the show is done and have things where you can, like, watch the whole season in one go? And I'm like, yeah, they do that for Lord of the Rings with extended cuts doing multiple versions. Like, and if anyone's going to do that, Disney, that would be fantastic. Like, when the show is all out, they should totally have something. And maybe as things to, like, get us hyped for season two if they go that route, like, it would be really cool to have something where you could just sit in the theater and watch all the episodes. Because after watching the first two on the big screen, I want to watch all of them on the big screen. Like, imagine the Ares fight on the big screen. Come on. That would be super cool. Super cool. I need to see Olympus on the big screen. That's <sighs> like, I, I, I'm i a sucker for the landscape shots mm-hmm. and like anything with like the underworld or Olympus. Oof, that'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be cool. So screening finishes and then the people pour out. We had different beginnings of the of the after party experience because I came out. We were, I guess, one of the I'd see, we were one of the first people to leave since we were in the upper part. Like it seemed like the bottom area cleared out. But when we got out, I didn't see a lot of whether it was like the actors or people in production or you know, people like, like, I think even you had went out like a different exit or something. And I was like, oh, I don't know if the press is going a different way. And Kelly and I were walking around a little bit and it was, it felt like a little crammed just with like a lot of people, but mostly like there was Instagram influencers there and stuff. And we, Kelly and I were just like talking to someone and we kind of got ushered upstairs by one of the people working there. But it was cool because at that point they have a bunch of food and drinks out and all the lines are enormous. And I was like, oh, maybe like maybe there's a separate VIP thing for the actors like they were separate for the red carpet. So maybe they're not going to be in this portion. Like, yeah, it sounds cool to go upstairs and check out the balcony, which also had more stuff and cool views and all that. So we kind of went up there at the start. And then after hanging out there, we got to meet the onset tutor for the trio. So not like the onset when they were filming tutor, that was a different guy, but it was this woman, Dana, who was their tutor for like what they're doing now, like as they're going to do all these press things and stuff. So as they're, you know, doing these premiere events and interviews and all that kind of stuff, she's their tutor for that stuff. And talking to her was super fascinating. Just like her job is really interesting with what they have to do, especially because the main trio are different ages. So they're learning different things. And there's all these different things about like the hours that they have to do it and stuff like that. After we finished that, we went downstairs and that's where you and I saw each other and you were like, oh, have you been like mingling with the actors? And I was like, the what? (laughs) And I was stressed. So what was the beginning of your, you know, after party experience like before we met up? So this is where it gets like a little blurry for me because I like my memory is so bad, right? Like I (laughs) and I think that's the Gen Z in me of like all the short form content. If I need to if I'm going to make a memory after it happens, I like concentrate and like remember, remember. So like I focus so hard on remembering the after party itself as opposed to anything like before it, especially because mm-hmm. all my interviews from the carpet, I'm like, well, I have video footage of that. So I'll always remember that portion. Sure. But I do remember leaving the theater um, first sa- telling James, I was like, I like this was the best I've seen it four times. And this was the best experience, which is like not a thing for me because I don't rewatch movies. I don't rewatch TV shows. And I also told mm-hmm. him like I teared up at, at Sally saying goodbye to Percy. Yes. And then when we left the theater and we're walking towards the after party area, 
who is uh, walking right near me, but Mr. Adam Edge Copeland. And of course, I'm not going to say what's up to him. So we had already spoken at the carpet. So like we were familiar with each other. And I was like, man, I'm so excited for your episodes. If you're half as good as Dior, you're going to be really, really, Mm -hmm. really phenomenal. And he was there with his wife, Beth Phoenix, who was a wrestler herself, uh, WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, That was so surreal. I was like, I was like, she was, she introduced me. She's like, hi, I'm Beth. I'm like, yeah, I know. I've, (laughs) I've seen many of your matches. I'm Liam, by the way. And then his kids were there too. Yeah. Lyric and Ruby. I only know their names because they're mentioned in storylines all the time on television. And I was like, I had a quick like, oh, like you guys are fans, aren't you? Because like I, Adam was saying how like you were part of the reason why he did this project. And they were like, yeah, we cannot wait to see him like as Aries. And they were like ecstatic that they were getting this experience just to like be there. Not even that their dad was involved. They're like, wait, we read these books and now we're at the world premiere. I'm like, yeah, your so dad cool. is also Edge. Uh, that that helps. <laughs> but like they they were like they were like us, like literally kids in a candy store being like, wow, we're like at this premiere of something that we genuinely love. Mm-hmm. And we just so happen to have a connection to it. So that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then I am walking into the after party area with my camera equipment bag because they said you can't leave bags anywhere. That was like a very uh, mm-hmm. hard rule about the Met. But fortunately, I checked my camera equipment bag at Coat Check. And then I was with like Erica and Monster Donut and uh, Robert, who runs the damn meme page. And it was it was cool because it was like this is like our like little Percy Jackson, like media community, mm-hmm. all like experiencing this thing together. And it was so special to like have that experience shared because yeah, like one of my favorite shows, How I Met Your Mother. I don't, are you familiar? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Barney Simpson has a great quote in that show where he's like, a life is only legendary if you have legendary people around you to share it with. Yeah. And I've had so many premiere experiences where I'm a one-man band. Like I, I don't have a camera person. I film everything myself. So I'm often at these after parties like, this is so cool. This is so surreal. But like, man, I wish I had like my friends here to like share sure. this with. And that's what made this one so special was like, not only is it Percy Jackson, the dream project, the Met, the actor showing up on time, everything going according to schedule, unlimited food and drink, but like my people were here and like, ah, that was so cool. Yeah, it was cool. I'm glad that I got to rejoin and be with the team after because I came down, saw you, said hi, and then you were like asking, oh yeah, have you been able to mingle with anyone? I was like, I didn't know that was happening. I've been upstairs. What's going on? And I got like real, I get, um, it's a, a phrase that I use when I get like anxious. I say I get squirmy because I'm like, oh man, and I start to like regret my life choices. And I was like, oh, what was I doing? I should have stayed downstairs. Why did I think that they wouldn't come out? Um, and you thankfully were a great coming force. You were like, hey, come on, it's going to be fine. I'll introduce you to some people. And first up, you were like oh Dior's over there let's go talk to Dior who plays Clarice and I was like okay cool like so, all right I'll, yeah, I think at this point thinking like I'll get to meet Dior and at least that's okay like I got to meet one person and that'll be fine and then go over you introduce and I gotta say just like you are a great introducer you are a great like you do it in a good way that's not awkward you give like a, you were hyping me up very well bragging about my podcast and my live shows and stuff like you did it in a way that was like nice and natural and cool and you certainly have a skill <laughs> of bringing bringing someone into a conversation and not making it awkward. So I commend you for that because it it went very, very smoothly. (laughs) I'm glad to hear. Yeah, that was like the highlight of my night, to be honest. Like I love, I don't know, like I I am in a position where like I acknowledge I am very fortunate and lucky to have one-on-one time with these people. Like Mm -hmm. essentially, not like whenever I want, but I'm an email away from requesting that kind of stuff. So like 
I had already spoken with Walker and Arian and Leah and like I had like formed like legitimate friendships with them on my own time. I'm like, this is mm-hmm. this is the time for everyone else to get to experience that. Uh, so to kind of be that liaison, I was like, oh, this is this is cool. I love bringing people together. Yeah, it was great. So you brought me to Dior. We talked for a little bit. And once we were talking about the newest Olympian, she was like, wait a second, I listened to your podcast. And I was like, what? Like she said that she did a big deep dive when she was cast into all sorts of Percy Jackson stuff and listening to some episodes of my show as part of it. That was very cool. Immediately, she was like, I'm going to follow you on Instagram. And then we messaged. And now we we do like at the time of recording this, we just did an interview yesterday. So that'll be on the podcast at some point, which is super cool. Talked to Dior. And then I'm trying to remember the order of it. I, I know then you had introduced me to it might have been him. Uh, I think Charlie was next. Charlie, who plays Luke. I think that was the next. Got to talk to him. He was super nice. And it was funny because watching the show, it's frustrating because he's so likable as Luke. And then meeting Charlie, he's also infinitely likable. How am I supposed to hate this guy? Like as an actor, as Luke so far, he's been so charming. As a person, he's so nice. Ah, I can't believe I'm going to have to hate this guy in a couple you know i guess like starting as soon as the end of the season it's gonna be tough i remember introducing you to charlie only because i the like thing i brought up was the fact that like you did a live show in paris not too long ago Uh and i remember him being like impressed by that and then i also brought up the fact i was like and what's funny is he started as a harry potter podcast and we successfully converted him to being percy jackson (laughs) primarily and he got a laugh out of that and yeah like he's He's the man. And I'm not going to hate Luke because I'm not going to lie. I like rooting for the villain sometimes. And Luke mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. a very hard villain to root against because you see his perspective. And uh, the season five cabin conversation with Hermes, those who know, know it's going to be uh, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, got, I was talking to Charlie a little bit, got to learn because his agent ended up coming up after and she introduced herself to me, which was cool because maybe something will happen in the work there. <laughs> what's uh what's this reaction <laughs> finish your thought i just have a i have a hilarious story after this the only thing is she then introduced me to charlie's dad who was like an accomplished bassist for live bands such as tim mcgraw like cool family oh good stuff so what i was hinting at was charlie's either manager or publicist we were talking at some point and she gave me her business card yes and i was like great because it's so easy to like people introduce i i meet so many people at these things and unless i like write down someone's name in my notes or like actually exchange an email or something it's so easy to forget so having a physical thing i was like oh this is perfect i have her business card now and i put it into my suit jacket pocket anyways uh when i get back to uh my friend's apartment who i was staying with in new york i take off my jacket my jacket and i take out my lightning thief copy of the uh the jacket because it like i i i was carrying around the lightning thief the entire after party by the Mm -hmm. way for everyone listening and it fit perfectly into my suit jacket pocket which i thought was the most unnecessary and ugly pocket ever i was like why did the suit jacket come with these pockets and then i realized it perfectly fit a soft cover copy of the lightning thief in it destiny i was like this is literally destiny i take i take the book out and go to reach in for the business card and like the little kid in the Polar Express reaching for that that reindeer bell in his bathrobe, it's not there. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, my God. I lost the business card. Lucky enough, we all have IMDb Pro. So I will find her contact somewhere else. But I was like, damn. I still have the business card. Pro move. Kelly, when we got home, she was like, take a picture of it in case it falls out of your wallet. So that's for future. If you do get a business card, just pull your phone, take a quick pic. That was super smart. But I still have it. So if you need the info, I can send you the info. Well, and this is where the story gets really good. Because then I the suit comes off, blah, blah, blah. I travel home to, to Boston the next day. 
Four days later, getting ready to go to the fan screening in Boston, I walk out the door because my friend comes to pick me up. And I go, oh, wait, I should go grab my copy of The Lightning Thief just in case oh, there's an opportunity to take a picture, yes. right? I run down to my home office. I grab The Lightning Thief book and like it's not perfectly folded. And I was like, wait, I don't like did I I know I had my plane ticket in it from L.A. Did I use it as a bookmark? I go to take out the bookmark. What's the bookmark? The business, business card. card. Let's go. It, <laughs> it wedged itself in the Lightning Thief book. I'm like, I don't know what you all believe in, like spiritually, but I'm like, there is a higher force at play here. And the one regret I have is that I took it out so quickly. I didn't see what page it fell into. And man, I would love to like know what page it was on. Cause if like there was like a oh, line of yeah. dialogue that was like especially special to me, that would be something. But yeah, that whole like ordeal, I was like, I just lived the Polar Express but Percy Jackson Amazing. style. Amazing. That's so good. That's so good. So then after I was talking to her, Walker came over and I I, I don't even know. I don't, I, I think you introduced us again, which was really cool. He was impressed as well by the Paris Live Show thing, which is great. And then he also pointed out he, and I think, I think, I think every kid I spoke to, because I was wearing the TNO beads that I have like out my merch store, but I put them on a gold chain because I was like, well, you know, I'm at the man, I gotta spice it up. But I also had a gold trident pin from my podcast. And I think all the kids were like, oh, that's a really cool pin. And smartly, before I went there, I brought like five and Kelly just had them in her purse. Like, I don't know, who knows, just in case. And since the kids kept asking, I just like gave one to all of them. So I gave one to Dior, I gave one to Charlie, I gave one to Walker, and I gave one to Arian, uh, who were like the four younger actors that I got to speak with. Um, and Walker was super chill. Like he was really nice. I was just asking him about New York stuff, going to the Empire State Building, Times Square, like all the sightseeing things that they'd done the day before for dude is super down to earth really chill just like seems to be enjoying it but not in like a oh my gosh look at me moment like a lot of people are asking for photos and autographs and all this kind of thing and it seems like he just genuinely wants to do it because he's nice not because he's like getting so full of himself because of the fame he took a photo with me him and charlie like he's he was a super nice kid everyone involved in this show from actors to production just seems like the nicest people they're all just good eggs yeah and hollywood is hollywood is super fake right so you're gonna hear everyone (laughs) tell you that so many people are super down to earth and super nice but like it's not hyperbole to say it about this cast and crew like Mm -hmm. i have never been surrounded by people of this level of fame that just felt like peers at the end of the day and Mm -hmm. i that's like the highest compliment i can give like all of them just feel like this was an after school club that they did like it literally like i used to do theater in high school and it felt the same way where i would mingle with people at like our cast parties and stuff like that like people who like showed up to support but weren't involved in the show and like no one's thinking like anyone's better than one another it's just like oh well we did this one thing and you did this one thing but we actually are kind of linked because we're both involved in the percy jackson world whether we're covering it or whether we're actually a part of it and yeah walker just like the conversations we had, we talked about Fortnite. Like we talked about like our favorite yeah. hot drops and stuff like that. Me and Charlie talked about like our gym splits and Arian, like we talked about, I think Fortnite as well. Like little things like that. I'm just like, these are just like regular kids at the end of the day who, mm-hmm. you know, hit the lottery, like deservingly so. They all like made it through right. rigorous audition processes. Not, none of this was luck per se, but yeah, they're just like real people. And that is yeah. so refreshing because like, I won't name names, but I've been to some of these after parties where it's like, oh, you know, you feel you feel the fame and you feel the kind of like, hey, I'm not associating with you because I'm 
me and your you. That's could not be further from the case here. Yeah. And I think the truest example of that is as I was leaving, I had run into John Steinberg, who's the showrunner and the co-creator and an executive producer. And my only interaction with him was having like two interviews that the second one just went super well. And I've put most of that audio up on the podcast already. And he asked me, like, what did you think of it? And I was like, oh, it was amazing. And he was like acting like I matter in a big way. He was like, it's so important. I'm so happy to hear that. Like, I'm so glad you're here. That's so nice. Like, let's make sure we stay in touch. And I was like, I like it was such a weird thing of how chill he was that I completely butchered saying, like, what's the best way to contact you? Because he was like, let's stay in touch. And then we got like ushered out by security. So we didn't get to finish that sentence. But yeah, you're it is wild, like that you can have these people who are super duper important feel like everyone's just like they're in the same group. I got to talk to Aryan soon after he was super chill, super down to earth and just like a super normal nice kid and the most surreal moment i i will add this little story at one point they go to all take a, a picture on the on the steps of the met not like the outside steps like the interior steps right and everyone was taking photographs like publicists parents like relatives all that kind of stuff and so like i just kind of went along with the crowd and i was like snapping photos of them and it was either leah or Aryan. one of them first goes like liam liam and i was like yeah like hey what's up and i was like continue to take my photos and then Aryan specifically was like Come up here. And I was like, Oh, yo, nice. I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, okay, I will. But I'm also like, you could stop me because I'm not involved in the show. And then they mm -hmm. kept insisting. So I like, I was like, not going to cause a scene by saying no. So like, sure. I continued up the steps. And then I, I sat next to like Charlie and Dior. And I said to Charlie, I was like, listen, I'm not involved in this show. You kick me out right now if you think this <laughs> yeah. is weird. And Charlie was like, nah, you're part of the family, bro. And I was like, that meant the world to me because. I don't know, like, I love being a part of this process of, of this journey, even on the outside, on the periphery, and to kind of see that, like, respected by, like, the people who are, like, creating it and understanding, like, the work that goes into the press side of things and how, you know, like, not super important, but, like, it is a part of the process as part of the whole Hollywood machine. Sure. And to kind of have that respected, I thought that was really cool. And I, like, after we all took those photos, I, like, said to Leonardo and I was like, Thank you guys for like making me feel special. Like that's really cool. And then Leah called me Mr. Liam, which I was like, I mean, she calls everyone Mr. or Miss or Mrs. Yeah, I was like, first name. It's great. I was like, oh my God, don't do that. Cause then you make me yeah. feel really old. And like, I know I'm like almost 10 years older than you, but still we are, we mm. are peers right now. Like this is great. Um, and that was just a very special moment. I like, I, I look back at that moment. I'm like, that definitely didn't happen. I just made that up in my head. But there is some photographic evidence of it. So I guess it did happen. Amazing. And I think you are towing it well. It's something I'm trying to tow well is like, you want to be involved in talking to these people and stuff. But it is like a bit strange with a lot of it because like a lot of them are kids. So you don't want to be weird about it or overstep any sort of boundaries. Like you want to keep it professional, but you want to be fun. And I think that you're doing it in a good way. And yeah, I think saying kick me out whenever you need is a smart <laughs> approach to it. So just really quickly to wrap it up, I, I went over to like that. They had that cool photo booth thing where you could do the thing with the power bolt, which was super fun. And there I got to talk to James Bobin. Is it Bobin or Bobbin? I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. The director of the first I, two. It is Bobin. And no one has okay, ever corrected is. me at Bobbin. Okay. So in my head, I always say Bobbin. And I've also said Reardon for 15 years and oh, it's Wired no. in. I know, but no one ever corrects me. So it's like, it's slowly but surely getting it. <laughs> 
All right. Well, here we, we got it. So I got to talk to James Bobin because again, like the interview I did with him and Dan and John was so fun. And we were just like goofing about various things. Then Dan came up, Dan and I were talking about a bunch of stuff, which was really cool. So it was, it was nice to like talk to all three of those guys again. Um, and then they kind of like had opened up what was the VIP area where you could actually walk into the exhibits, which was cool. So I walked down there just to see it. And then I saw the folks from Monster Donut and they were talking to Daphne Olive, who's the staff writer on the show. And I got to talk with her for a while. She was all involved in black sales, which was really cool. And a lot of black sales folks have transferred over to the show. I found out that she also had been listening to my podcast from a mutual friend. So we might have her on the show in the future. She was super cool. And just overall, like super nice. And then, yeah, from that point, after having that conversation, that's when like you and I like met up again. We did the whole bag check thing. We literally closed down the Met. <laughs> like we was into overtime territory where Disney was like paying extra by the minute, which was wild. Like you and I were like getting closer to the stairs and like some security guy was like, whenever was taking photos, they're like, hey, you know, we got to get out of here. I'm trying. And he did. He was the nicest kicking us out that I've ever been on the receiving end of. <laughs> So polite. I was not leaving until they kicked us out because I was oh, like, I am, 100%. I am not 100%. willingly leaving the Percy Jackson premiere. I will gladly yep. cooperate when they tell me to leave, but mm -hmm. I'm not deciding what I'm going to do. That's exactly where I was at, which was smart because that allowed for a couple of things. It allowed Kelly to get one of those cool blue light up ice cubes on the way out. The Percy Jackson branded plastic light ice cubes stole one of those. And then it almost bit us in the butt because they've been giving those parting gifts to everybody with the print of the credits. And we had thought, oh, man, like we weren't going to get them. We stayed too late. But like you'll take staying late and having more conversations than leaving earlier and getting a thing. And then there were some people, I think like runners helping out the talent. I guess like two of them went to get some of the posters and they had too many and there were two extra. And you and I got the last two, right? Sure did. It's it's, it's oh. off camera. It's on the other wall. Yeah, but yeah. It is. Oh. It's gorgeous. It's good. It's really good. And and I've, I was doing my my thing. I love to be a silver linings guy. I was already being like, no, it's okay. Like, way better than a picture is us having this experience and staying later. Like, this is way better. And then we gave us a thing. I'm like, oh, cool. I really did want this. I don't have to pretend that I didn't anymore. <laughs> it was good. Took some photos with the podcast people. And then Kelly and I headed home. And that was that. Your phone was at 1% at that moment. <laughs> really cutting <laughs> it to the deadline. Ugh. Yes, it was. And I literally, I don't have a, a mobile uh, charger or like a portable charger. I have my laptop that I can plug my phone into. And so like I'm going through my camera equipment bag trying to pull out my laptop and like, I don't know how to ride the subway without my phone. So I was like, oh, I'm screwed if my phone dies. But it all worked out. Amazing. It was a fun night and the food was good. Real quick, we'll wrap it here. My favorite food was the sushi. What was your favorite food? I did not really eat. I just drank. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, and I'm not, a, I'm not a booze guy at all, but yeah. I am a celebrating guy. And when I see free champagne and when I see a Percy Jackson custom drink menu, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah, it was good. The, the, I will say the food was solid. They had the sushi. They had like a wine and cheese thing for, they were all like God themed. And then there was the dessert table was really solid. There's some good stuff. So next, next time next season two premiere we'll season make sure we two. get you some food yes. in there awesome well liam thanks for coming on and for explaining all of the behind the scenes stuff from the premiere and from me to you thank you again for doing all those introductions and liaisoning because otherwise i would have had big regrets about the night and you turned it from oh gosh i've ruined everything to now this is one of the greatest nights that i've experienced so thank you for facilitating that 180 switch well hey and thank you for having me on the show because i i love recounting this it's like it's cool to get to relive it and to have it kind of immortalized now in podcast yeah. 
yes. one. If I ever forget, I'm going to go and listen to this episode and go like, oh, right? that is what happens. So yeah, this was awesome. <laughs> have it downloaded as saved. Yeah. And then you can always, even if you don't have Wi-Fi, just have it saved on your phone, like a, you know, like a downloaded offline song. Boom, boom. Cool. Thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode of the newest Olympian. Happy New Year. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. I also run the social media and the website. Normally, our editor is Sherry Go, but these bonus episodes have been edited by me as well. The music is by Bettina Kambamanis and Miranda Grugel, and the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you are enjoying this podcast and you want to see more stuff from it, make sure you subscribe, review, listen to your podcasts, but also you can find us on social media. We're at Newest Olympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I've been posting some more stuff on social media some things from these bonus clips. I've been posting fun reels. I've been trying to ramp that up and I want to ramp that up in the new year now that the holiday stuff is over. So check that out. We also have a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash the And if you really want to get involved in the community, you can head over to our Patreon, the slash Patreon, where we've got a whole bunch of fun bonus content that you can get access to, whether that is my notes. Uh, if you've seen my reel where I did, uh, like it almost has a million views now, which is bizarre, the reel where I scrolled through all my notes about the Lightning Thief, you can get access to those notes on the Patreon, and we've got the episodes about them as well. But there's a bunch of cool stuff on the Patreon. You can get physical gifts as well. You can get exclusive pins and stickers. All that lives at thenewslumpian.com slash Patreon. We've got other merch at thenewslumpian.com slash merch. And we've just got a whole bunch of cool stuff going on with the show that you can learn about on our website, www.thenewslumpian.com, such as live shows. If you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, talking about the show really helps. Word of mouth is huge. Whether you're sharing something we shared on social media or you direct message someone, you send someone a text message, you tell someone in person, you tell your parents, whatever it is, any sort of thing that spreads the news of the podcast's existence to other people really does help. That's so helpful for podcasts. You could leave us a rating and review on whatever podcasting app you're using. That's helpful as well. Anything and everything. Thank you all so much just for listening, but anything above and beyond, thank you so much as well. I really appreciate you being here and for listening to this, and I hope you enjoy our next episode, which will come out on Wednesday, where Liam Crowley, who you heard in this episode, and I will discuss episode four of The Percy Jackson Show. But until then, I'll Percy you later. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.